Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Creating? Cliff Ravenscraft here, and today I'm going to be talking to my great friend, Pat Flynn. Pat, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Happy to be here and connecting with you again on a podcast. This is awesome. It's been too long. We, we talk to each other every single week, but it's amazing how we can get caught up in our own whirlwind of activity. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of activity, that's for sure. I love the fact that you have no idea what the two most common questions I ask guests on this show are. I may make it a prerequisite moving forward that you're not allowed on the show if you've actually listened to an episode previously. Ah, interesting. <laughs> because the first question I want to ask you, Pat, is who are you? So I it, knew that that was going to be the question. Did you? Well, I told I you knew. it was going to be existential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking of existential questions that I might ask if I was interviewing somebody. And who are you is a great question because who I am has definitely changed over time. I feel like the last time maybe some of your listeners from other podcasts that we've been on together might remember my story, how I got laid off from architecture and started my own business and became an entrepreneur and uh, a popular one actually now that has books and podcasts with millions of downloads and I speak on stage and stuff. And for a while, that's who I was. I was the entrepreneur, Pat Flynn. And if you were to ask me now, which you just did, I would still say I'm an entrepreneur, but that's just one of many things that I, I think is important to me. Right up there, obviously, is going to be parent. Uh, and I have two kids. My son is 12. He's almost a teenager. I know that you just sent one of your kids off to college. And so that's going to be coming my way very soon. So who I am right now is somebody who with my kids is very much trying to be as involved as possible with the things that they're doing and to try to soak up every single moment. So who am I? I'm a parent who wants to soak up every single moment with my kids before they're out of the house and they're doing their own thing. A husband, obviously. And my wife and I, we've gone through several stages as the business has grown, as the kids have grown up and such. My wife is a stay-at-home parent. And that is just, I love her so much for that because she's made choices specifically to not take opportunities or not do things because she's focusing on the kids. So who am I? I'm somebody who's trying to give back to my wife because she's given me so much opportunity and, and so much freedom in that way to build the business and to do the things that I needed to do to, to provide for the family. I'm also somebody who's very, very competitive. I've always been that way. So I'm a competitive person in, in the sense that I always try to not necessarily beat somebody else at something, but beat myself at something. So I always try to master things. I always try to learn how to be the best that I could be at something. Uh, case in point, lately I've gotten into the world of fishing, something that actually my dad and I used to do quite a bit, which I think is the reason why I'm doing it now to kind of come back into it. But it's also provided me a lot of peace and meditation away from the busy life that I have. But even within this thing that's supposed to provide me peace and meditation, I'm already thinking about how I can win tournaments. And it's, again, not just for, you know, co co competing in the trophy. It's just because I want to know that I've, you know, doing my best uh, at, at that. I'm also a creator at heart, I think, uh, you know, a person asked me the other day, like, Pat, when you retire, whenever that might be, are you ever going to stop creating? And I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to always be a creator. And so to me, you know, the, the idea of creating is just uh, the idea of self-expression. It's the idea of experimentation. I love experiments and I like to use creation as a basis to kind of help me even figure out what's going on up here. 
you know, sometimes I don't even know. And it's the act of creating that allows me to explore exactly what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking and to make sense of it, not just for others, but even just for myself. And for me, I, I, I feel like I'm also somebody who's always trying to, to optimize. You know, I'm an optimizer. If I'm going to be doing something, I want to try to do it in the most efficient way possible, uh, mostly because of time. You know, I know I don't uh, have unlimited uh, amounts of time. I know I'm not going to live forever. So I want to make the best use of time that I have. And I'm always looking for, I hate to use this word, but like hacks or strategies, if you will, to uh, get uh, some time back that I can then use for more of the these other things I already mentioned. So that's who I am. I'm, I'm sort of a, uh, a pat of all trades, master of fun. Master of fun. I love it. <laughs> Next question. Why are you here? And specifically, like the question is, why were you born? Well, you see, Cliff, when a man and a woman, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Has anybody ever? Not yet. No, that, not that, yet. that was the okay, well, first one. Thank you. Congratulations. Okay. If I had, if I had a little <laughs> sound clip, I would do it. Why am I here? I'm here to serve, to help others. That's where I feel my most fulfilled. I can verify this because I've taken tests such as like the Enneagram and I am very much a solid three and a three an Enneagram three thrives off and feels fulfilled when they realize or know or recognize that they're being of service to others. That's for my family. That's for my audience. That's for, you know, organizations. This is why a lot of the philanthropic work that I've, I've been doing, I've been very grateful for, but even down to a member of my SPI pro community, helping a single person in there makes my day. I thrive off of a feedback, positive feedback, which is really interesting. A person told me the other day, he's like, Pat, would you feel as fulfilled if you didn't hear positive feedback, but you still were helping people, you just didn't hear about it? And I, yeah, oh, absolutely. But because I can hear about it, I do create mechanisms to receive that feedback because that fuels me even more. I mean, I literally have in my office here a giant wall full of thank you notes. And it's not because I want to see and remind myself about how awesome I am. I want to remind myself about how much I can help others because all these have come as a result of serving others. And that's what fuels me. So why am I here? I'm here to serve others and to be an example for my kids and for others to help others realize that you can win so long as you help others win too, right? It's similar to the Zig Ziglar quote, you can get whatever you want in life so long as you help other people get what they want too. And I very much am all about that. So the next question may be challenging in that it's always hard to look at our babies and decide what's our favorite, right? So I'm not going to ask you which of your children are your favorite, but I am going <laughs> to... Thank you. <laughs> so I am going to ask you, out of all of the things that you've created... What are the top three that come to mind in this moment that you're most proud of creating? You know, my mind just goes to business right away. Yeah, let, uh, let's go in that realm. Okay. Number one, the SPI podcast. And I have you to thank for that. In 2010, I started the Smart Passive Income podcast. Um, as far as entrepreneurial podcasts, it was very early on, uh, you know, maybe not the first, but definitely one of the first to really bring on people to talk about their entrepreneurial journey and, and, and sort of host a show like that. And that has created so many opportunities that has helped so many people. We're crossing 70 million downloads very shortly here. We're nearly 600 episodes in. 
a week doesn't go by that I hear some feedback to go back to my earlier point that the podcast is in some way, shape or form to help change somebody's life. I'm so grateful for that. And I'm, I'm grateful for it too, because it was one of the hardest things to do. You may remember some of the struggles that I had early on of just, not just the tech piece of it, but more the mental part of it. I was at that point, very, very shy, very, very worried about how people would perceive the show. And in fact, I mentioned that the show started in July of 2010, but I actually wanted to start the show in 2008, but I was too afraid. And so thank you, Cliff, for helping me get over that. I appreciate that so much. I'm so grateful that that show was created because it's helped create more things out of it, right? It's the ripple effect. And, you know, maybe the podcast was the the giant rock that hit the water, but there's been many, many more ripples that have come as, as a result of that. And I, I feel the impact of somebody else's impact, if that makes sense. So that's number one. Number two, more recent was a book that I uh, wrote called Superfans. And this book actually came from a presentation that I offered in 20, uh, 2014 that actually just random thought, you've been there at the beginning of a lot of my things. <laughs> because you were there at one of my first presentations where I was speaking about this concept of being everywhere and then my slides failed and you were there to capture that moment on video actually. And so you were there at the very hard starts, actually. So that's kind of cool. And, and, and then here we are sort of recapping everything, you know, over a decade later, which is incredible. To go back, this book, Superfans, came from a presentation I did in 2014 that uh, just has gotten so incredible in terms of a response. Shout out to Jay Bear, who took me aside once after he saw me speak on this topic and said, Pat, you need to write this as a book because it's so helpful. And that's where things are going. And I know that to be true because now the book has essentially just kind of gone gangbusters right now, especially with the environment that we're in, with more people creating communities, with creators coming about and trying to figure out how to make it work. And it takes Kevin Kelly's A Thousand True Fans thesis or essay and and really puts a how-to on top of it. And I'm very, very proud of that work because so many people are now buying multiple copies of it and offering it to their employees or sharing it with their friends and that sort of stuff. So it has it's starting to feel similar to how books like for our work week felt and it's not nearly as successful numbers wise but to me i feel just as successful with its impact for those who are reading it it has a similar feel to that or how the one thing sort of was passed around or essentialism like these books that have become the books that all the entrepreneurs have sort of shared with each other i feel like Superfans is is right in the middle of that right now i actually just spoke at an event in Las Vegas grow with video live with Sean Cannell and he wanted to buy several hundred copies for his, for his attendees. And I was proud of that. And even though that book, unlike will it fly did not reach any of the bestseller lists, uh, will it fly did. I'm still feeling like Superfans was probably my best work yet. As far as like a published piece of work of all the things that I've created, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And then finally, one of my favorite things that we've created was my team. The team behind SPI Media has been incredible because in the beginning it was all me and it was all me for six years. And that includes podcast editing, that includes video, that includes publishing the blog posts and, and emails and all the, thi- all, all the things. I'm at a point now where I can just be a creator. And so I've built the team around me so that they are putting all the pieces together. They are mechanically fine tuning everything where I can just be on podcast and interview, or I can turn on the camera and just film. And that's where I initially started. 
And then I turned it into a business that has all these sort of new requirements now to make sure they run. But then now I can sort of build it. I've built the team in a way that allows them to now take all that over so I can just go back into creation, which is what I love and where I, what I want to do. Uh, it's allowed me extra time to create in even new niches and in, in markets and places that I would have never had the time to do so uh, without the team. Case in point, my new Pokemon YouTube channel, which has just taken off. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for everybody on the team from Matt, who is now CEO of my company. I actually stepped down from CEO and he is now CEO. That just kind of signifies kind of where things are going. It's just great because I can also, in addition to creating, I can be there and interact with the audience. I can hear that feedback in real time now versus just kind of the barrage of emails that come in after sending one out. It's just great to be able to get that time back. And yeah, I'm not making as much money as I could because I'm putting that back into the team. But money you can always make more of later or figure out ways to create campaigns to you know get what you need. Time you'll never get back. So again, building for time and optimizing my time is is what I'm doing. And the team, I'm just so grateful for them and I'm very, very happy that I've built that. You mentioned your Pokemon channel. And of course, there's a ton of other different things that you've created that didn't make the list of the top three just now. Let's just go with the Pokemon for just a moment. I would love to hear about the creative process for you in, at least with that creation, the Pokemon channel. Where did yeah. Deep Pocket Monsters come from? What was, Do you remember the first thought that I might create a YouTube channel for Pokemon came to you? I do, yeah. So I got into Pokemon in 2020 a lot of people got into Pokemon in 2020 just because we were all in the pandemic. Uh, we were bored and a few really big influencers did some big events in the Pokemon space that kind of re put it on the map. The last time this happened was when Pokemon go came out on our apps and that was in 2016. So this was like an incredible event and, and, and I got into it cause my kids got into it as well. And so I wanted to research it. So when I research things, I always go to YouTube first. It's like the first place I go to, to figure out what's going on here, who are the players and, and who, who has the best information. Right. And so I was collecting cards and buying cards and investing in cards, selling some of the cards as well. I found that there were a lot of amazing people in this space. Uh, there are people like a guy named SM Pratt who has some of the most expensive cards and, and uh, trophy cards as they're called. And he has just this extensive knowledge of Pokemon that no, it's, it's just unmatched. There's another guy named Nick, uh, also known as Pokey Rev for Revolution. And he has probably one of the biggest collections that I've seen and uh, like live streams every day kind of thing. Um, so you start to sort of notice who the players are and you start to kind of absorb their content. I did the same thing when I got into entrepreneurship and you're just like, who do I vibe with? Who do I, who do I not vibe with? And naturally I'm at a point now where when I go into a space, I notice where there are things that are missing. And when there are things that are missing, me and my entrepreneurial brain goes, ah, there is an opportunity. So as I was diving into a lot of these communities and, 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 and learning about Pokemon and all the facets of it and all the little pockets and sub niches within it, I realized that there wasn't really anybody that was really just telling great stories about this and bringing some sort of entertainment value to it. And, and there were like everybody was shooting with their webcams. Everybody was just kind of doing the same thing, opening cards and kind of talking about the prices of them and that's it. But nobody was really bringing a more entertainment approach and, and not, they didn't really have good camera quality. And that was something that I was like, you know, if somebody were to just create a YouTube channel that just was fun and showed these cards off in the highest quality, 
it would be it would be a shoe in for a winner um so long as like they just told great stories i couldn't find that person so that's that was the first thought for me was maybe i could be that person and then of course my mind starts to race on you know what it could be and uh, I, I start drawing logos and thinking of names like that's how my creative mind works is I get this little bug or this little seed is planted and it just like explodes. And what happens usually when I go through a process like that is my mind can't stop thinking about that thing. And for a while, it, that's what was happening for about a month, for about a good two month period. I didn't create anything yet. I'm just in the brainstorming thinking process. I'm literally nonstop thinking about a potential YouTube channel and what that would be like and what videos I would shoot. And I would write down ideas. I have notion boards of just all the different kinds of things that it could be. But what was also really important was to dive into the community and start talking to people because I've made the mistake many times before of just creating off of a, off of that momentum without any research and having it fall flat. And so what I like to do is, as I like to now, like I talk about in my books, go into communities and start talking to people about what they like and why they're here and what, what are they looking, what, what do they look for and what do they feel is missing to verify and sort of validate the direction that I think I might be going. So a lot of what I've created with Deep Pocket Monster is actually not a result of just me coming up with something and creating it. It's, it's a result of me having conversations and creating what those conversations kind of led to. And then, of course, once the, the you know, uh, the plan was sort of in place, actually, before that, I got so involved in these communities that I actually reached out to a lot of these creators. I figured out, like, which forums they were in. I reached out and actually became a moderator for some of their live streams. I just built relationships with them. And in fact, there were several that were creating podcasts. So I was like, oh, okay, I help people with podcasts, too maybe I could reach out to them and provide them some value and, and help them out. And maybe I can ask them a question or two if, if I do. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Four or five of them were actually creating podcasts because they were YouTubers and wanted to expand their reach. So I helped them with that. One of them, I also helped with the packaging of his products because I received the package and saw that there was a lot of opportunity there as well. And so I made him stickers that he could put into his boxes. And wow, he was just so blown away that he was like, yo, whatever, whatever you need help with, let me know. And I said, well, by the way, I'm thinking about creating a YouTube channel. What do you think of this? And, uh, you know, we would just build a relationship and, and, and just get feedback. And he was like, yo, when, when you start this, let me know. I'd love to shout out your new channel. I'm, I'm here to support you. So a lot of that sort of reconnaissance and diving in and just learning who's here and, and providing value into the community first, before I start asking for things in December of 20. 20, I created the trailer for what was going to be Deep Pocket Monster that was going to launch in January of 2021. And uh, it did it did pretty well after we went live. Had you played with Pokemon cards when you were a kid or did you ever have any Pokemon cards before 2020, uh, like personally? I did not, actually. I didn't know anything about it other than it was a kid's game that I grew up with, but I played Magic the Gathering, which is a, like a different, more sort of fantasy and, and maybe more quote unquote adult like card game, trading card game. And Pokemon was always for like the little kids. But what I soon realized is that a lot of the kids who grew up with Pokemon uh, who did watch the anime, I did play the video game, uh, but I, I never had any cards. These kids who grew up in the 80s and 90s are now the adults who have the money to spend and are the ones that are investing. And when 
having conversations with them, I discovered it was because they were reliving their childhood and they were able to now get cards they, they weren't able to get access to or they were buying cards from sets that they grew up with that they can now afford. Uh, but no, I did not have experience with it. And that was the very, very purposeful approach to my channel was I'm not the expert here. Like, I'm not going to pretend to be the expert. I can't compete with these other guys. I don't have as big of a collection as these other guys. So what is going to be the unique thing that I can bring? I can bring some storytelling. I can bring cinema, sort of cinema-like quality. And I'm also an entrepreneur and I can bring a lot of these lessons that I've learned in, in life and entrepreneurship into this channel. So the deep pocket monster has several meanings, right? It's pocket monster is what Pokemon is actually short for, right? But deep pocket monsters, we go deep into this world of Pokemon, but it's deep pockets because there's money involved, but also it's deep because it's a little bit philosophical. In fact, I have a lot of people who comment about, you know, they, they call it patisms. They, they said it, I didn't. There's like, oh, Pat's, you know, we got another one of Pat's patisms because I will just bring out these things during live streams or in videos. Like one of my most popular videos actually was titled, Don't Make This Common Collector Mistake. Right? Very clickable title, thumbnail, etc. But in it, I talk about the idea of the fact that if you divide your energy everywhere, you're going nowhere. So if you try to collect every single card in Pokemon, you're not going to have any collections, but pick a sub niche. And I actually say in that video, the riches are in the niches, which is something I always say on my business channel. But now I'm applying these lessons into now the collector space so people can now save money. They can now focus on less things, but focus more on the things that they are going to collect. And actually many people have thanked me for that video because it's allowed them to complete things faster and save a lot of money because people, when they when, when people collect things for the first time, you kind of just collect everything. You spend a lot of money and then you don't really have anything after that. So that's just an example, right? But to your question earlier, no, I didn't have experience, but it is also a, one of those kinds of, of creator platforms that I have where I'm sharing the journey as I go. I'm learning with the audience. In fact, I call on the audience to also teach me a lot of the sets in Pokemon that come out, uh, come out first in Japan. And I don't know all the Pokemon. So when I'm on a live stream and I'm opening these cards from Japan, which I cannot read, and I don't know who the Pokemon is, I ask the audience, hey, can you guys help me out here? Because I don't know who these, like, I, th there's like nearly a thousand Pokemon now. And I'm learning, but I don't pretend to, like I know them all. And the audience appreciates that because they're sort of seeing my collection journey, my collection grow kind of with me. And so they're, they're following along on the journey. Very similar to how Smart Passive Income started. It was like, hey, I started this business in the architecture space. Like, come follow me on this ride and, you know, I'll share with you what works and, and what doesn't. I also share a lot of the failures. I've bought some cards that I shouldn't have bought. I paid like over a thousand dollars for a card that is now worth probably 300 because I bought it at the, you know, in the middle of all the hype. And that became a lesson in and of itself in a video that, that came out. It's just neat how, you know, although on one hand it's like, oh, Pokemon, that's completely separate than anything that you've ever done, but not really because it's me and I'm the connector in there. And I just take what I've learned from one spot and, and sort of bring it over to the next. As you're telling this story, I'm thinking of those who fear this thing called the imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, I can't do that. There are so many people who have more areas of expertise, they have more experience, they have far more education. 
how could I add anything of value, especially given the fact that I've never owned a card before and and all of this stuff. There's, I feel like such an imposter. And I love how you've already given your response to that. It's like, well, listen, I'm not an imposter. I'm me. You're not going out there pretending I have all of the answers and I know all of this stuff. It's not like you're reading a textbook the night before and saying, now let me be an authority and tell you all the things you need to know because of what I read last night. You're actually telling people, this is where I've been. This is where I am now. These are my future hopes and dreams. And come join me on this journey if you're interested. By the way, I have some other areas of expertise, education in other areas and uh, other things that I'm passionate about. And I'd love to tell you some stories along the way. I mean, that's exactly it. And I started with that. I mean, I, I led with that because it's almost like if you've ever seen the movie Eight Mile. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have but it's not with yet Eminem. seen Eminem. I, I know yeah. that I love the song that was very popular in that movie. Yeah, Mom's Spaghetti, right? Yeah. Now. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's Spaghetti, he's nervous. But on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop palms. I don't want to spoil the movie for you then, but there's this idea of... You could either wait till somebody else makes up a story in their head about you, or you can just tell it like it is right up front. And so it is very obvious that I don't know everything about Pokemon. So if I didn't address that up front, people would start to make up stories in their mind about what that actually means. Oh, this guy's just in it for the money. He's faking it. He's just pretending like this, this guy's not an expert. Why are we even following him? I'm going to just tell you, I'm not an expert, but here's why you should follow me, like you said. And I think that's really, really important to do, especially. Now, I will say that there are many, many comments. I mean, it's funny, like in Pokemon, which is like this friendly game with cartoons on cardboard, there's haters and there's trolls. I mean, just like anywhere else. It's just like you can't avoid that. And so I do have people who in comments will say things like, why is anybody listening to this guy? He has nobody, no idea what he's talking about kind of stuff. I read that and old me or younger me would have been really defensive about that. And I I would have gotten into my own head and the imposter syndrome would have set in very heavily. But now I'm like, he's right with the information he knows about me. He obviously doesn't know or didn't watch those videos where I just said straight up, I don't know everything. So I can't really get mad at him because he doesn't have all the information and that's okay. He'll find it or he'll move on. But the people who are here who are fans and there are fans now it's crazy like i have people asking me for my autograph and i was at home depot the other day and a person came up to me he's like oh my gosh pat flynn and i was like hi and he was like i I follow i follow your stuff i love it and i'm like thank you which what do you follow (laughs) i have to like (laughs) ask now and he actually follows me on deep pocket monster not spi now that used to happen a lot for spi now it's it's like 50 50 it's so crazy you know, all the stuff I talk in about in my book, Superfans, I have been doing here and it's working and it's just provided so many opportunities to the point where now Pokemon is sending me product earlier before anybody else gets it to review it and share a video about it, which of course helps with views and brings more people in. We have sponsorship deals. I charge 8K per video now when there is a sponsor and uh, YouTube ad revenue is over 10K now per month. I'm getting invited to events. I'm an, I'm an investor and an advisor for a company in this collector space now. You know, a lot of people go, Pat, this is an overnight success. I hope you realize like this happened so quickly to create something like this. And I said, you know what? I started YouTube in 2009. I just so happened to create this YouTube channel in the Pokemon space in year 11. So this was not an overnight success. This is, it took 
11, 12 years to get here. And that usually brings people back down to earth because many of us see the things on the surface, but we don't really know all that it took. And so I'm grateful that I could share that here as well. Has there ever been a time where you had a really awesome idea about something you wanted to create and you got in, you created it, and you decided to walk away? Many times. What's one that comes to mind that is the most meaningful in the lessons learned for yourself personally? In 2010, so this is when blogging was like the main platform everybody was doing. I had, I had a couple groups that I was in with other bloggers and simultaneously two people in two different groups um, developed WordPress plugins to serve to their audience and sell them. Premium WordPress plugins. WordPress plugins are usually free but you can create special ones that you could charge for if they do certain things. And they each created them within like a two week period. They didn't even know each other. It just so happened that, that it, it was just kind of happening together. Um, and they each made over six figures within a week after selling their, their plugins and their audiences were a quarter of the size as mine. So in my head, I go, Oh my gosh, WordPress plugins, software, perfect. I could create something that can then get replicated over and over again and I could just sell it to my audience. I should be making at least a half million to a million dollars in a launch with a software product of my own like that. So I got inspired by them and it's it's great to get inspired by others in the work that they do. But I rushed it. I immediately did a Google search for WordPress plugin developer. I found somebody and I hired him to do in six weeks for $6,000 to create a plugin that was going to help people with their contact form. And it was something I needed help with. And there wasn't really a solution that existed. And so we were working together and because it was rushed, it was hard for me to really portray what was going on in my head to this developer. So of course a developer is going to sort of fill in any gaps and just to kind of get something out there for you. And, and so there was just so much back and forth because I wasn't happy with what he was creating, but I wasn't also giving him enough information because I didn't fully flesh out this idea. I was wanting to get to the launch date as quickly as possible. Well, that didn't happen because it was supposed to take six weeks, but it ended up taking six months until I was finally happy with it and $16,000. So an extra 10K of work to go back and forth. But I, again, I just believed in this so much. And again, getting inspired, like I was going to make up for that when this thing launched, right? So finally, this thing was ready to go. I shared it with a couple friends. I'm not sure if I shared it with you, but like people who are close to me like you, I was sharing it with. And I think I shared it with like 10 people who had WordPress websites too. And each of them were like, meh. Like, this is okay. Like, it's kind of cool, but I don't really need this. And I was like, what do you mean you don't need it? Like, look how cool this is. And they're like, yeah, it doesn't really solve a big problem for me that I had. And eventually got to the point where I realized that I, I couldn't launch this thing. And I, I almost, I felt so terrible because if only I had these conversations first with these people about what my idea was. And my idea was to keep it secret and then have this like big reveal. In fact, I even shared on the blog a couple of times, like a big idea is coming, like I'm working on it. I'm going to keep it in my secret vault for now, but get ready for it. And I shared it with a couple of friends, thankfully, who made me realize that this thing was not worth publishing. And I had a choice to make. Do I still publish it anyway? Because I had all this sunk cost into it, but that's called sunk cost fallacy. You don't just launch it because you've put so much money into it. 
thankfully I didn't launch it, but it was a $16,000 lesson. A few lessons there. Number one, when it comes to software development, like you really have to make sure you know exactly what you want before you hand it over to the developer or else it's going to take 10 times as long and you know, you're going to spend a lot more money. Lesson number two is validate your darn ideas before you actually create them. And this is where my entire book, Will It Fly, came from. You want to know if the plane is going to fly before you get into it. And number three, and most importantly, the biggest lesson was I was chasing money. That was the whole purpose of this thing was the dollar bill signs that were popping out of my eyes. Um, I didn't approach this from a serve first approach, from a let's solve a problem first and then have the earnings be a byproduct of that. And that, that, that situation in 2010 slash 2011 is what inspired a quote that I've said many times that I've coined that is your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. And I've always used that as the basis for creating anything now. How well does this serve an audience? If it does that, cool. Now it can make money versus what's going to make me the most money. Okay, now we'll figure out and see if people actually want it uh, or not. And unfortunately, a lot of people do create things um, that do make a lot of money that don't serve people. And they're still able to make a lot of money because they've invested in copywriting. They have earned trust with their audience. They are really good salesmen or women and they're still making a lot of money. And in the entrepreneurial slash internet marketing space, that's disgusting in many cases. Like people are selling vapor to people just because they're sharing false promises or because they're great copywriters. And for me, I'm not a great copywriter. I'm not even a great salesman, but I am great at helping people through problems. And I've always used that quote now to guide me. Your earnings should be a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. I love that. I want you to think back when you were a kid. Let's say between the ages of five and 10 years old. What, what did you love to create when you were a kid? So between five and 10, I loved to take whatever Christmas gifts my parents gave me. I remember one year it was a typewriter. Uh, another year it was an RC car. And my favorite thing to do would to actually be to get a screwdriver and literally take the whole thing apart. And, you know, you might think, well, that's not creation. That's actually the opposite. You're taking something apart. But what I'm actually doing is understanding how something works. And what I often would do would be to try to put it back together, but try to put it back together in a better way or a different way. Um, which is really interesting now that I think about that because that's kind of what I do now. I take processes that I'm not the person who like invented these things, but I break things down and then put them together in a way that's better or more functional or could serve people more. Even even like my invention, the switch pod, which is a tripod. It's I, I didn't invent the tripod. There's m millions of other tripods, but we created something that was specific to a group of people who wanted something light and strong and sturdy. Uh, and then switch pod came about. So I just put it back together in a different way that's better for a certain group of people. Now, I couldn't put a typewriter back together better, although I would color it and, you know, add glitter and stuff just to sparkle it up a little bit. But like an RC car, for example, I would see what I can do to make it faster. So I would take pieces off that maybe weren't necessary to make it lighter. When I got a little bit older into the 12, 13 range, I actually would buy motors 
and try to make the cars faster. And, um, you know, you can get foam wheels instead of the heavier ones and like all this other stuff to see what I can do to, to improve it. And there was even a point in time where that became an obsession of mine. That was a hobby was buying these RC cars. There was a brand called Tamiya, T-A-M-I-Y-A, which came out of Japan where you could build these little cars, but then you could buy like kits to make them faster. And there was a spot at the mall called the shack that had, uh, it was like a card shop, but they converted it into a place that had tracks that you could bring your cars in and race them against each other. And they would actually keep track of times. And like, again, me being very competitive is like, how can I beat my latest time? Take it apart again, put it back together in a little bit of a different way and see if it worked or not. And so that, that was a large part of my childhood was taking things apart and seeing what I could do to put, put things back together in a different way. One of the reasons why I like asking that question, the people who are really good at creating things today, such as yourself, there's always what they were doing as a kid is that it's still carrying on into their adulthood. It's, it's, that, it's those same qualities as you brought into your story and you, you immediately recognized and told us. It's, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. wow, I guess that's, that's kind of what I'm doing with this and that. So yeah. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, that's interesting. So we've already talked about SPI. We've talked about Pokemon, your deep pocket monster YouTube channel. But I, I, one thing I know about you, Pat, is you've got your irons in a lot of fire. You you briefly mentioned fishing. but mm-hmm. um, So you could talk about anything you want to talk about in response to this question. But what are you creating now? Well, it's, what's interesting is you, you brought up the fishing thing. And I'm really trying hard not to create in that space because what it's provided for me is something different than anything I've done before. And that's peace, meditation, calm mind with the Pokemon stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, as soon as I got into it, it's just like racing through my brain. And even like it at night, sometimes I think of a video idea and then I'm opening notion on my phone, bad habit, but I got to capture that idea with SPI. I'm always looking to figure out new ways to do things, but with fishing, it's been the thing that's allowed me to sort of escape all that and, and have some time to, to, to breathe and settle and then get back into the, those things in a good headspace. But like I do, I am going through YouTube and I'm finding a lot of amazing creators, but I'm also finding holes. And I'm like trying really hard not to create a fishing YouTube channel to fill in those gaps and bring my experience with storytelling and entertainment into this space that I, I know it would be successful. I know it would serve people, but do I need to do that? Or can I just have something for me? That's just for me. And so it's funny. You're asking what, what am, what am I creating? I'm creating, we're trying to create space and boundary around that particular hobby so that it could be something that I can continue to enjoy and not feel like, not that the other things feel like work because they don't feel like, you know, traditional work, but those are things that do provide some levels of stress every once in a while. And what if fishing was just like the thing that I could always go to that, you know, was never really that stressful. Even a bad day on the water is, you know, they say like bad day of water is still like a, a, a better than a day at work or something like that. Um, so I'm trying to create space and boundary around that. Um, but within things that I am creating, by the way, I, oh, I, I just want to pause you there. If if it sounds to me like you're about ready to go on to something else that you are creating now, but it, I just want to say, pause for just a second. Yeah, let's stay there. If that were all you were creating right now was space and margin for yourself, 
that would be worthy of creation in and of itself. I, I just, I know you know that, but I just want to say, because it sounds like Pat's going to say, well, let's see if there's something else that I'm creating now, because the answer with Pat Flynn is always yes. Uh, but <laughs> that's the reason why it's so important that in how big of a deal, uh, find, okay, I need to find that thing that is the piece, the margin, and the space to allow me to breathe, to, to recharge, Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just I just wanted I know that you understand the importance of it because that's why you brought it up. But I just want to say for some people, if you're if you're a creator and you create lots of things and you got lots of ideas, one of the best things in life sometimes is just to take a season and create more space and create more margin. And I know that what Pat has just shared, this is something he's been doing with this fishing for the last several months. So anyway, I just wanted to pause there. Thank you. Yeah. So several months, relatively new. Yeah. You know, I didn't have this or anything like this for years. And so I appreciate you pausing and, and staying there. And, and and perhaps we do stay there because I was just going to go into, well, in SPI, we're doing these projects. And in the Pokemon thing, we're attempting to do these things like buy an ice cream truck, wrap it in Pokemon stuff, go to neighborhoods and hand out Pokemon cards to kids. Like that's fun and exciting. And that's interesting and creative and a lot of the Pokemon stuff that is successful. I'm just kind of putting back into it in that way to kind of grow bigger and help more people. But I've realized that it's okay to not always have to be doing things. Like, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was like this hoarder mentality of opportunity. Like I need all the opportunities because these might not come around again. But you know, as I am getting older, I realize that there's always new opportunities. You can make more opportunities. Like why do we have to hoard them now? I think it was, Richard Branson, who said like, you know, business ideas are like buses. If you miss one, another one will come by and you don't have to worry. So yeah, peace. I'm creating peace. I love that. You know, it reminds me of the difference between what are you doing and who are you being? You know, that it's doing versus being. And we get so caught up in the doing that sometimes we forget to be. Yeah. Right. I mean, that reminds me also of a question like a lot of people will ask my kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, I don't think that's a fair question because how can can a kid know what there is to do or what who they don't even know who they are fully yet. So how, how can we expect them to choose on a limited number of options that they only know about because other people have told them or or society or whatever? I think a better question is what lights you up? Yeah. And that's how you better understand a person or, or what they're about. And that could inform a career, maybe not. But I, I would much rather know what lights a person up versus you, like, what do you want to be? I, I love that, Pat. And, it, and another question that came to another potential question that would be better than what do you want to be? How do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. I'm sure most people would say I want to be happy. <laughs> I, I would. Ironically, most people are not working very hard on that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because they are who they want. They, they are doing what they, because they, they're doing what they thought they need to be, which is often the thing that's making them not happy. Yeah. So uh, final question I'm going to ask you, and this is jumping out into the future, big picture. I, I know you have some aspirations of things that you want to create in this world that are much bigger than than the things that you've been working on. And so if, if you don't mind, what what's one or two things that you would like to create in your lifetime? So one thing that's very important to me is education for our kids. And it's at a 
interesting moment in time right now. Our education education system in the U.S. A lot of people are moving to homeschool. A lot of people are doing world schooling, road schooling, the, which is really interesting. There's obviously the the whole safety thing in schools, but then there's also the idea that it's just kind of an archaic system that doesn't necessarily best prepare our kids for where the future is going. So to be an agent of change in that space is something that's really interesting to me. And I'm going to be using a lot of my influence, I hope, and, and bodies of work to be able to sort of move and transition into that spot. This is partly why I'm trying to transition uh, as much of my work, you know, at least day-to-day work type stuff away from SPI as possible to be able to spend more time in, in, in sort of this arena. Now, what will that look like? I don't know. I don't know if it's a completely different kind of school, an online school, you know, brick and mortar school, or maybe it is just change in policy at schools. I don't know. I'm still exploring that, but it is something that's important to me and I'd have to let, to, to leave some sort of legacy within that realm. Moving forward, I think, you know, this idea of, of creation is always going to be around and I want to help provide even more material and, and equipment and, and not equipment, but like equipped uh, creators to be able to, no matter what kind of technology happens or platforms come out in the future with things like super fans, you know, f- a few more bodies of work that I can leave behind that would allow anybody who's a creator at any point in the future to be able to succeed rather than a how to start a YouTube channel thing. Although I do have a course coming out, you know, in a couple of weeks about that books like super fans, which is just doesn't matter what the platform is. doesn't matter what's happening in technology. Like it's, it's a timeless thing. Like uh, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Like I want to create more works like that, that could live over time and, 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 and even beyond me. That's awesome. Well, Pat, it's been a tremendous honor to be connected with you. I, I We go all the way back to 2009 and the Dude. fact that we've been in a mastermind group together since October 2010 and just following your journey. I, I All the things that you've created, it's just been an inspiration and I am incredibly thankful for the fact that your hard work has done so much to influence all those people that are out there creating podcasts, YouTube channels, online businesses, courses, leaving soul-sucking day jobs. It's just incredibly awesome to see that and to know the impact that you're going to have in the future on creators for generations and also in the area of education. I I know that you'll you'll push yourself to achieve whatever it is that you want to do in those two areas. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, everybody. And this has been a pleasure, absolute honor, and so grateful for our friendship. Hey, I want to encourage people that I'm going to put links in the show notes. There's a, the first book you released was Let Go that tells the story of Pat Flynn and how he got let go from his architecture job. It's a great book. Uh, I want to make sure to put that in the links. The book, Will It Fly? So you can help learn how to validate your product. Can this Is this something that I could sell? Is this something I can create a brand around? And then, of course, once you've decided that you've got something that's going to fly, you want to create those super fans. Is there anything else you want me to promote or put into the show notes, Pat? Just smartpassiveincome.com or, or you can find me on YouTube as well on the Pat Flynn channel. But yeah, thank you, yeah. Cliff. Well, I hope you got as many insights out of my conversation with Pat Flynn as I do as I've gone through and taken all sorts of incredible notes during my editing of this conversation. Hey, a couple of things I want to share with you here. If you would like to create something that is along the lines of what you feel most called to do in this world, 
but you have had a difficult time getting something off the ground. I have a workshop that I've done a couple of times here in the Next Level Studio called Building an Online Business Workshop. I am now creating this as an online workshop as well. And if you are interested in learning more, you can head over to nextlevelworkshop.info. That's .info, not .com. So just go ahead and type in nextlevelworkshop.info. Learn a little bit more about the building an online business workshop, when the next dates are, and of course, if it does not have a next date listed as soon as you're looking at the page. If there's a wait list, certainly add your name to it. I've got a system in place to immediately reach out to you, and then we can get the ball rolling on scheduling a next session if there's not already one scheduled. Another thing I wanna let you know about is my Day with Cliff mentoring package. This is where you could come spend an entire day here in my next level studio in Northern Kentucky, eight hours of one-on-one mentoring, creating a robust plan for whatever it is that you want to create in this world. If you'd like to have access to my almost two decades of experience of building and growing an online business, generating millions of dollars in revenue through course sales, through group coaching, paid mastermind groups, physical equipment, drop shipping, all sorts of other experiences, doing what I most love to do. If you'd like to have access to all of the things that I've learned in the more than 10 years of being in a mastermind group with Pat Flynn and four other incredibly powerful online entrepreneurs, all of that access for eight hours could be yours one full day here in the Next Level Studio just you and I, and at the end of the day, after all of the insights that you've taken note on, creating your action plan of your next steps that you have clarity about where to go right after you leave our time together, we will celebrate having dinner with one another. If this resonates with you and you'd like to come and spend an entire day with me, head over to daywithcliff.com. And finally, one other option for those of you who are already In the early stages of entrepreneurship, you've already got a validated product or service. Clients are still streaming in. Maybe you're trying to figure out how to get to sustainable profitability, or if you consider yourself to be a next level or seasoned entrepreneur, where you've already got consistent revenue coming in, but your greatest challenges are maintaining your current level of success while at the same time trying to innovate and stay in front of the curveballs that life and the business landscape in the world is throwing at you. If you'd like to do business with other like-minded, next-level entrepreneurs, I want to invite you to apply for the Next Level Mastermind. Head over to Next Level Mastermind. Dot info Again, that's dot .info, not dot .com, nextlevelmastermind.info. There'll be links to all three of these items in the show notes. Go ahead and click through and you'll see the links there. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and surround.